Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Chris Ortega. Chris has over 17 years experience in accounting, finance, FP&A, and fractional CFO leadership around finance transformation and scale for seed to enterprise companies. Today, Chris Ortega is the CEO of Fresh FP&A. Fresh FP&A is a consultancy focused on finance transformation and scale solutions for businesses. Their experts have extensive experience in finance, accounting, financial planning and analysis, strategic planning, and CFO leadership. They're experts in resolving problems, providing strategic options, detail-oriented self-starters with great analytical and leadership skills. Overall, Fresh FP&A helps businesses transform and scale their finance organization by providing fractional CFO and advisory services. Chris, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for the opportunity. Looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, today we'll be hearing your story and talking about your role as a CEO. And we'll also be discussing your current organization and how you guys help your clients transform and scale. And I'm really looking forward to learning from you. So let's get started. Awesome. First, and as always, let's start with you and your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so born and raised here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a diehard Hoosier fan. If you cut me right now, I'm really crimson <laughs> and cream. So shout out to my Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, but yeah, professionally, I've spent most of like I have 17 plus years in accounting, uh, corporate accounting, finance, FP&A and financial leadership experience, primarily in high growth SaaS businesses. So from seed, startup, scale up to enterprise level companies. Um, earlier this year, after an exit uh, through SAP, uh, I had the opportunity to lead an international marketing platform company all the way through acquisition of SAP, wow. uh, which was a really, really great experience. Um, and then I found myself in my career where I, I felt like, like there needed to be a fresh perspective on finance. There needed to be something fresh brought to the uh, office of the CFO. So earlier this year, I started Fresh FP&A, um, which is a consultancy that helps organizations transform and scale their finance organization by providing factual CFO and consulting services. Um, so been doing that. And uh, yeah, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, I have a twin sister. Uh, another unique fact about me for all the listeners, and uh, I used to be an amateur boxer. Wow. So I did fight uh, perfect. I did fight competitively for about five years. Awesome experience. So that's a little bit about me, where I'm from, my professional career, and some unique facts about myself. Yeah, you have great energy. I'm sure that helps um, in working in a startup environment. For sure. For sure. Um, so what was the impetus behind creating Fresh FP&A? What, what were the needs out there that you recognized needed to be filled? Yeah. So when I, you know, started Fresh FP&A earlier this year, right? Um, like I said, it was, I feel like there needed to be a fresh perspective. When I look back over my 17 plus years in accounting, finance, FP&A, financial leadership, um, I've, I've helped organizations. Like I've seen all the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between. And I felt like, I was like, man, I know the playbook. I know how to build. I know how to transform. I know how to scale. I know how to take, you know, an organization from a seed 
all the way to an enterprise level company, all the way through acquisition. Um, and I felt like there needed to be a fresh perspective in how to be able to do that. So um, that's why I started Fresh FPNA. Um, and we get to work with a lot of different organizations and in the fractional CFO capacity. Um, I get a great opportunity to work with a lot of different clients in actually building the roadmaps around financial transformation. Oddly enough, Megan, uh, I, I was on a global panel with a CFO, 65 different CFOs about a month and a half ago. And I asked them, what is financial transformation? And of those 65 CFOs, I got 57 different answers. Yeah. So there's obviously not a clear definition on what financial transformation is. And that's where Fresh fp we help break down the entire vision, strategy, tactics, metrics, and milestones that organizations need in the next 6, 8, 12, and 18 months to demystify and actually get them on the road of financial transformation. So uh, that's why I started Fresh FPNA, and those are the kind of clients we serve. Yeah. So who is your ideal client and how how do they know they need a transformation? Yeah. So I think like one of the things that when, so my ideal client, right, is any of those high growth businesses, whether it's in SaaS, whether it's in renewables, technology, any one of those organizations that are looking for uh, that financial leadership, that batteries included, somewhere, some organization and experts that have been there, done that, uh, which I think is hugely important. And obviously, when you look at the market right now, the uh, the fractional role itself, whether you're a fractional CRO, whether you're a fractional marketing officer, whether you're a fractional uh, CFO, there's huge opportunities for organizations to bring in that skill set, mindset, that experience to help them uh, actually grow and scale a lot of those different functions. For me, for me, it's particularly the finance organization. Um, and what I, you know, why financial transformation is so important for organizations is I think a lot of organizations think financial transformation is just going to go get a technology and a technology is going to solve other problems. Yeah. Well, really, it's not that. And at Fresh FPNA, we actually break down financial transformation into six key pillars. Both of them are uh, those key pillars are split into between foundation and scaling pillars. The foundational pillars are people, process, partnership. The scaling pillars are platform, performance, and profit. So what we do is we work with organizations around those six key pillars and help them around each key pillar develop the vision, the strategy, the tactics, the milestones, and metrics that they need to measure to ultimately drive financial transformation inside their organization. So back to my question I mentioned earlier, we help those CFOs help put the plans in place to actually demystify and answer those financial transformation questions. And when a client comes to you, what's the first question that you ask them? The first question I ask them is, I want to get a gauge of what they what is their value proposition to their organization. The reason why I start with that question, right, is I want to understand, because at the end of the day, right, like we can dive into the financials, I can start looking at their balance sheet, income statement, but ultimately I want to get the vision of what that finance organization, of what they want to bring to the business, right? So I usually ask them, I usually ask like, hey, if you were to ask your CEO, if you were to ask your board of directors, if you were to ask, uh, you know, your, your leadership team, what is the value of your finance organization? What are they going to say, right? Um, a lot of times I get clients that tell me, well, hey, Chris, we're great at getting the numbers or I think we provide a lot of value around forecasting. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get them to, to, to say and the value to bring to that organization is that there's not a business decision that the organization makes 
that they don't go seek the uh, consulting and advising from their finance team. So to me, that's one of the first questions I ask around the organization. The second question I ask is like, what does financial transformation look like to them? How does that feel? How does that look? How does that change their 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 composition of their team? How does that change their processes? How does that develop the partnerships that they need? How does that look for the technologies that they have? So really help them think about financial transformation at a strategic level. And what is that value that that financial transformation is going to bring to the organization? Those are typically the first two questions I ask clients and prospects. And for uh, a finance and accounting department out there that's not the center of the organization, that isn't getting asked to be part of like, you know, those bigger strategic decisions, what's your advice for, I guess, pulling up a seat to that table and and getting to play a part in that decision-making process rather than just being the person that collects those numbers? Yeah, yeah, Megan, I, you'd be surprised. I get this question all the time. And my first piece of advice for those accounting, finance, FP&A, maybe CFOs that have want a seat at that table, two things. First one, go develop great relationships with the business, right? To me, like any, if you want a seat at that table, the business has to trust you and know that you're competent in it, right? So go build those relationships, which I think are built on those tor- those two core pillars, which are trust and competencies. First off, start there. The second, find a way inside the business to turn their business pain into productivity, right? When I look back over my experience, right, it was never me coming in and saying, hey, I developed this great model that's going to give you insights into your metrics and like show us how we can drive more revenue, right? Like organizations and and the business is not going to understand that, right? Like go intimate, go deeply, build those relationships, turn pain into productivity, and go learn the business. If you want to seat at the table with the business, go learn, go learn, go listen, and go support and serve the business. Too many times, I think a lot of finance organizations and professionals find themselves in that scorekeeping value because that's all they're bringing to the business. They're bringing the score. They're bringing, we had a budget of five widgets and we did four widgets, right? Like, that's common stake. Like the business isn't looking for the finance organization for them to keep score. They want you to be a valued advisor. So for me, those are some quick steps that you can go take now to go get that seat at the table. That's great advice. So what's been your biggest success story at Fresh FPNA to date? Oh man, um, there's so many. And I think like all, what it boils down to me is like it, it the success stories I see with my clients, right? Um, this may sound counterintuitive, but like I established myself and our team established ourselves at Fresh FPNA by being a partner in the journey with our clients, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to enable and I want to empower the, the clients that we get to work with that they, they, you know, they are able to lead financial transformation on their own or like they are able to go bring in a, a best-in-class CFO to help navigate their organization, right? Um, so I would say probably my biggest success story is that actually seeing clients that say, Chris, Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for enabling us to take a, a, a more modern-based approach to our finance organization. That way we can go scale. I think another thing that I get really excited about is like serving the global finance FP&A and CFO community. I get a lot of people that reach out to me and say, Chris, man, 
thank you so much for, you know, your, your, your knowledge and your, your inspiration to help me like become a better financial professional. Um, so I think my biggest wins always come from my clients and the, the professionals I get to serve on a daily basis. And talk to me about how your background in finance has helped prepare you for a role as CEO. I think for me, like, um, I would say it, it probably, that's a good question. I never got asked that before. And I, I think for me, like, the <laughs> I'm always eager to, to hear that. Uh, uh, well, I can tell you, I can tell you how my life prepared me for to be a CEO. That's um, perfect. Actually, CEO, CEO are my initials. Um, those are literally <laughs> wow. my initials. And I remember when I was seven years old and my mom sat down with me. And uh, she said, Bunny, that's what my mom calls me. That's her nickname <laughs> for me. So for all the listeners, you can make fun of me, right? My mom calls me Bunny. Yes. She sat down with me and she said, Bunny, do you know what your initials mean? And I was like, I don't know what my initials mean. My, my mom said, Bunny, your initials are the highest level that you can reach in business. And I remember going back to her and saying, oh, mom, that means I'm a fireman. I'm a fireman in business. She's like, yes, you're the you're the you're going to be the fireman in the business. So I think for me growing up, I've always had this aspiration of one day being the CEO of my own organization or another organization. And I think throughout my career, I've always been a, a, a very strategic thinking finance person. Right. And then this is going back even to when I was an auditor at Ernst & Young to where I was a controller and staff accountant at a high growth SaaS business to where I was a manager at FP&A to I think every different level. I've always like, how can I serve the business? How can I help the business think more strategically? And how can I help the organization using my skills, passions, talents, and experience to build them and help them achieve greatness? So I think for me, I don't necessarily think that my finance, I think my finance career has supplemented me being a CEO along with like just that personal motivation um, since I was young to reach the highest levels in business. So I think it's been a combination of both, but I love that question. Was that intentional on your parents' part? I don't know, man. I have a twin sister and she, her, her initials are VLO. So (laughs) she, uh, you know, there's nothing in business around that, but um, you know, for me, um, I think my mom is, is, it's always something I look back on in my personal life and just, I think for me, reaching the level of success, and this is for all those listeners to think about, right? I've always looked at no matter what level of success that I reach, it is my responsibility to go bring up the next group of people, right? I've had, I have great mentors in my life, great resources, great people that I look up to that, you know, they've done that for me. Um, so I think it's like, that. that's one of my biggest like hats that I wear is like, being rep- representing the finance accounting FPNA space um, with the background, being a minority, being a, you know, uh, coming from very, very uh, modest up- upbringing, I think is very, very important to me. So I think my my professional career, my personal life, and just this overall like uh, North Star for me in my life are all uh, areas and avenues that really accelerated me to be CEO. And you provide fractional CFO services. So talk to us about the benefit of getting a fractional CFO on board in an early stage organization. Yeah, this is huge. So when I look back over my experience, right, I think, you know, one one of the macro things that you're starting to see with a lot of organizations is, you know, they're starting to, you know, pull, pull a little tighter on the personnel side. But, you know, they're starting to forgo, you know, hiring new positions. They're starting to, you know, unfortunately, a lot of organizations are going through layoffs at the moment right now, which is unfortunate. But the thing about it is, is like these businesses still need that expertise. 
they still need those people that have been there, done that, seen the mountaintops, particularly in the finance organization. So for me, it's actually a win-win for the business because like I've been able to go from organizations to where, you know, seed all the way up to enterprise levels. I've seen it through acquisitions. Um, I've led fundraising. I've done all these different things and I'm able to provide what I, what I consider and my team considers the, the batteries included, right? Like we come already with the experience we come with already building out. And I think it's so important for early stage companies to realize and build those foundations first then, you know, you get to a Series C and you're bringing finance in-house because you had it externally. You don't have the people. You don't have the processes. You don't have the partnerships. You don't have the platforms. You don't have the culture of high performance. And you don't have those profit optimization strategies in place. You haven't built the foundations yet. That gets a lot more difficult as you begin to scale. So organizations that are still looking for that horsepower, still looking for those people that have that experience, that that you know that mindset and gone through uh, a lot of different use cases that's hugely valuable and also when you look at it from the cost side right you're getting all of that experience that expertise that knowledge at a fraction of the cost of the time energy and effort it would take to hire that role in house right like when you look at hiring like a CFO and like the 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 amount of recruiting dollars that go into it the amount of investment that goes into it the the learning curve that goes into it it takes you know a year time before that CFO is probably super productive versus bringing in those fractional resources, not only in the office of the CFO, but in marketing, in sales, in client success, in operations, you're able to get people for a fraction of the cost, but you're getting that expertise. So to me, I think it's a win-win for early stage businesses all the way up to enterprise level companies. Yeah, you lay out a very good argument for one. Um so throughout your career and as you look back and you sound like you are one yourself, so what makes a great finance leader? I think what makes a great finance leader is two things. The first one is putting people people before profits. Yes, you just heard a CFO say <laughs> we need to put people before profits, 100%. Um, when I look back over my career and as I advise my clients on right now, like, there's a more modern way that we need to be thinking about. And if the pandemic and the great recession, the great recovery, whatever you want to call it, CFOs have a golden opportunity to think about the people. People are our number one asset in every organization. But when you look at it from a traditional CFO perspective, it's one of the first places they go to make numbers look better, right? It, to me, like that needs to be reversed, right? We need to be looking at policies and procedures and processes. People need to be the last thing that we think about in terms of optimizing our role and moving it forward. So I think that's number one. The second thing is, and this is my golden secret and I'm sharing with everybody, this is like, I've always been a salesperson that loves finance, right? So like <laughs> for me, like having that internal sales mindset, that partnership, that collaboration, that connection, that bringing along people along the journey I've always looked at that as a superpower for me. So I think like obviously what what uh, putting people before profits, really taking that empathetic uh, data-driven approach to the finance organization, and then also being a great sales partner to the organization, like having that sales kind of mindset, having that uh, collaboration, that connection, that ability to be able to tell a story. Uh, I think those to me, if like I was to look at like 
amongst all these skill sets that I have, those to me, I think will be my superpowers. That's awesome. So as you look out into the near future, let's say the next year or so, what are some tactical mistakes that are out there that CFO should be on the lookout for? Oh, great. I, the top one off the top of my head, um, technology is not going to solve all your problems. Um, so many CFOs, so many people I talk with, they think they're going to go get a tool and it's going to solve all their problems. No, that is a fundamental fallacy. Uh, the second uh, thing that I think a, a mistake a lot of CFOs make, um, when you're looking at trying to reduce costs, you're looking at trying to optimize your cash flow, your spend, uh, there's so many other greenfield opportunities around that you could be looking at to optimize your spend, not just the people. So I would go look at like how you're optimizing your marketing spend, how you're managing your SaaS spend, um, how you're looking at your, you know, negotiating your contracts, how you're looking at, you know, uh, your collections processes, right? Like how are you looking at a lot of other more strategic level uh, uh, initiatives besides just going to go cut people? So I see that time and time again, when cash burn, people are the first place that they go. They don't even look at all these other opportunities they have to make really significant impacts. They just go straight to the people. Um, I think the third mis- uh, mistake I think CFO shouldn't make going into the next year is not getting and un- deeply, intimately understanding their business, right? It's surprising when I ask CFOs like, hey, tell me, tell me your ideal customer profile and how you make money. And they're just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you got to know your business. Like, what is your ideal customer? What do they look like? What like what is that whole composition? I think CFOs need to get out into the business, um, and we need to change what that role is. Right? Um, it's not. I, I, we we definitely need to keep our financial acumen. We need to keep the discipline. We need to make sure we're being good stewards of the company's resources. But we have a huge opportunity to go inside the business, go learn the pain that it is to be a CMO in an ever-changing market, go connect and collaborate with your CTOs, your CIOs. We need to be that spoke of the wheel that branches out inside the organization. Um, So for me, I think those are three common pitfalls that a lot of CFOs need to leave into 2022, and we need to level up in 2023. That's that's. Very good advice. And yeah, your last comment, um, I think every CFO should have to spend some time on the floor or facing customers or something to like really understand people at the lowest levels and the customer and what it is they're looking for. Exactly. CFOs need to know with them what's in it for me across the entire organization. When you're able to know that and you're able, that's how you build relationships. You're able to listen to that salesperson, right? Like one of the most underestimated skill sets that a CFO can have is listening. Go listen, don't react. Listen to the business. Yeah, it's hard to do for some people. (laughs) Um, So talk to me about how finance leaders, and and maybe you've touched on this a a bit, but how they can ensure that they're going beyond the numbers and they're contributing to the strategic direction of their organization. Yeah, I mean, this is always, this is something I struggle with, like even as a CEO of Fresh FP&A, right? Balancing that time, energy, and effort and resources that I'm spending on strategic versus tactical, Right. I think one uh, uh, immediate hack that I can give people is like, look at your time. Right. Like sometimes what I do is I, I, you know, I take a month and I'll like keep really detailed tracking of the time that I'm doing. Right. Maybe I spend a week out of a month where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do like sample sizes. 
of how I'm balancing my strategy and tactical execution, right? Um, another way that you, uh, another advice I can give to people um, as they're managing, right, is like learn to like delegate. Like there's so many times where I'm like, yeah, I know like 60, 70% of it, but if the time, energy and effort and resources it would take to go get that other 20 to 30% knowledge, whether when I can just bring on a fractional partner to help me with that, right? Like I can go bring in a great marketing person to help me think strategically about my my marketing side of my business. I can help bring in a great business development person that can give me the strategic mindset that I'm missing around the business development side. So I think like making sure you're balancing the time, energy, and effort, quantifying that, and then also like taking the time out to say, man, I'm, I'm too much into this. I need to delegate. I need to find a way to delegate these resources out, whether it's, you know, uh, temporary resources, whether it's contracted resources, or maybe it's a full-time resource that you need. I think the third um, advice as well, too, to, to get out of that, that mundane tactical pieces of it is understand those blockers, right? And like, a lot of times you may be doing something that's not really providing value to the business, right? You may be doing a tactical process that was always one of the, we always did it this way, or we've been doing it this way for 30 years kind of thing. Challenge the status quo. Um, I think that's really like, what is the value that we're getting out of this? How is this helping make me a better business partner? How is this making us a better strategic organization and challenging the status quo? So for me, I think those would be the top three things to get you out of that tactical and get you rebalanced on that strategic side of your business. And you studied accounting and finance. You have an MBA in corporate finance. So tell yeah. us what you, what what about the CFO role can you not learn through an de- advanced degree or in a book? I would say probably about 60 to 70% of it now. 100%, right? Um, I can tell you like, great example. One of the most important superpowers for any finance professional of the future Great storytellers, right? Yeah. Um, when I look back over my elementary school, or maybe elementary school, I told good stories in elementary school. But when I look back in like undergrad, my MBA, when I look about the CPA exam, there wasn't a section or a class that said the art, uh, how to be a great storyteller, right? Yeah. Um, and a- another one is like communication, right? Like I took communication classes on how to write memos in college, but I didn't I didn't get tested on that in like, you know, the CPA exam. I, it, it, it told me how to write a good audit opinion, but I never used that before. Right. So a lot. And I, I get this question a lot from my community of uh, people that I help serve. A lot of what is needed and what the business demands out of the office of the CFO. You're never taught in school. It's not going to be on a CPA, uh, CMA, chartered accounting exam. You're not going to learn those things. Right. You've got to get into business and go and go practice those things, right? Like when I look and see like how I became a great storyteller, how I became a great communicator, um, how I was able to take complexity and turn that into clear, concise conclusions for the business, how I was able to build my business acumen, how I was able to speak the business's language. I never learned that in school or exams. I had to go do it. Um, so step outside your comfort zone and go find those, I call them MVPs, minimum viable pro- uh, projects that you can go do to go flex and exercise those new skills, right? Because at the end of the day, the business is not looking for the office of the CFO to great, be great number people, right? That that time is gone. That time is like, that, that, that phase is over with, right? Yeah. We need, and the business is expecting us to be great communicators, 
to be great collaborators, to build community, and to build connection inside the business. That is the, the new benchmark that the business has set for CFOs of the future. So where you can find those resources, um, there's great books to read, uh, there's conferences to go to, which are, which are great supplemental knowledge, but the best way that you're going to learn those skills, you got to go do it. Step out your comfort zone, go find those MVPs. And let's go back to the beginning of your career. So talk to us about how your first role in audit at Ernst & Young set you up for the remainder of your career. Yeah. Or so, didn't. <laughs> uh, shout out to everybody. Yeah. Shout out to everybody that's been in public accounting. Um, that That's a long time ago for me. But uh, for me, um, one of the things I loved about being in public accounting, um, and I was in the audit practice. So typically when you go into public accounting, you go one of two lanes, you're either tax or your audit. I was an audit. Uh, I was a Marine. This is what we used to call it. Like tax was more like special people. And audit was like you had an army of people. So you were a Marine in the in, in one of the big four. Um, but one of the things that taught me the most is I loved actually like the Sarbanes-Oxley test the controls, um, walkthroughs, and really learning like the processes of a business. Um, so like I got the opportunity to work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies here in Indianapolis. One of them specifically was Eli Lilly. And I got to spend an entire summer doing the tests of controls, walkthroughs. And like that's where I, I understood like these are the skeletal frameworks of billion dollar businesses. All of them were built on processes. All of them were built with people. All of them were built on uh, the, the, the partnerships that you build inside of it. So for me, it was really almost like being behind the curtain, like almost the Oz, like the Oz effect of like business, because like I'm, I'm learning the processes that are driving a billion dollar organization. Um, and I'm learning them at the very detailed level. So like very taking that process-based approach, that people-based approach, that partnership-based approach. Um, early in my career, I didn't know this at the time, but that was how I was building the foundations of financial transformation. Had to learn the people, had to know the processes, had to develop the partnerships. So uh, I think Ernst & Young was probably like the catalyst of me building out those six pillars and really understanding those frameworks around financial transformation. So uh, it, it's funny. Ernst Young was like the foundation pillar of me building the foundation pillars for financial <laughs> transformation. <laughs> that, was, that was good. That was good. It's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> and what advice do you have for other CFOs or aspiring CFOs who are listening today? Yeah. Um, look, ch challenge yourself. Uh, so all the advice I'm going to give you right now is not like technical, quantitative. That's table stakes, man. Um, I think my advice, uh, first off, Get outside your comfort zone. Uh, learn to find comfort in chaos, right? When you can when you can develop that kind of clarity and that kind of comfort when chaos and uncertainties around you, you make yourself incredibly valuable. Number two, uh, and this may this may be a wild one, but I wake up every day looking to fail. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say that again. Yeah. I wake up every day and I look to fail. Why do I do that? Why am I recommending people to look to fail? Some of the biggest learning and growth moments I've ever had in my personal life and professional life have all come from failure. Like when I have failed, I have learned and grown and built my confidence the most, yeah. right? Because to me, if you start developing a mindset that there's only two options from every situation, you either win or you're going to learn. You only fail if you don't learn, right? You open yourself up to so much, right? So. Maybe 
not, you know, everybody taking every day is like, hey, I took Chris's advice and I failed every day. Find opportunities to fail because you're going to learn from those. You're going to get better um, and you're just going to increase your confidence and broaden your soul. Um, and then the third piece I would recommend CFOs, uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, go inside the business, right? The office of the CFO is, is not just a finance organization. Um, go find opportunities to go be involved in the culture. Go find opportunities to be a change agent um, inside your organization. Um, and my third, and this goes along with my third piece of advice, get comfortable and love the warm and fuzzies of an organization. Love employee engagement, love employee attrition, love, you know, not, not love employee attrition, but have the conversation around employee attrition. Um, be open to being in interviews to meet with people, right? If CFOs took a more active role in the interviewing process, I think there'd be a lot more value, right? So go be comfortable uh, with those warm and fuzzies, those people sides of your organization. Um, you know, those would be my top three advice that I would give to people. Get outside your comfort zone, be comfortable with the warm and fuzzies and, uh, you know, continue to develop your value proposition. I, you know, as I mentioned, I think those would be the three superpowers for CFOs or anybody, any financial professional, right? Like you don't have to be a CFO to start challenging and doing those things. So uh, to me, that would be my advice. And lastly, as a finance leader and entrepreneur, what's keeping you up at night these days? Oh man, I think the number one thing that keeps me up at night right now is, uh, man, I love this question. I think the uncertainty, right? There's right now- A lot of it. um, And I would say- there's a lot of it, right? Um, and, and the thing about it is, let's let's break that down. When I say uncertainty, right? There's a lot of uncertainty around like the macro environment. So the macro environment, I think about that as like the global economy, uh, you know, the global like difficulties, the the war that's going on. There's a lot of global macro things that are macro things that are happening. But then there's also a lot of like micro things that are happening inside of businesses, right? When you look at like the the level of uh, you know the VCs, private equity and strategic people shifting away from this grow at all costs to be, you know, you got to have a path to profitability, right? Um, when you look at the the macro that's affecting people specifically around, you know, in some people, the, the U.S. economy, right? Like spe- speaking specifically here, right? Like what is the U.S. economy going to look like in, in, in three to six months? So I, I would say that keep me up at night, but they definitely, when I have that hour of reading, it is that hour that I'm having immediate focus before I go to bed. Like it is something I'm always reading about um, uh, and and preparing myself on because there's a lot of uncertainty um, that we're facing as business, as business professionals, as finance professionals. As, and then there's a lot of uncertainty that we're facing just as, you know, humans as well, too. So uh, I think to me, like I get over that uncertainty by just educating myself um, and also like, you know, you, uh, you, you know, plan the one thing I always say to myself and, and what it, plan the work and work the plan, like keep that on it. Keep on top of those things. Um, the, a lot of those things are out of your control as well, too. So one thing I learned in just my life overall, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, energy and effort worrying about something that's completely outside of my control. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to keep my locus of control and what I can make an impact on. Uh, so to me, I think those are the elements of it. Yeah, that's great advice. Chris, thank you so much for being my guest today. Megan, thank you so much for the opportunity. For everybody listening, um, if you have any other questions, comments, clarifications, I'm all over LinkedIn. You can just Chris Ortega, 
on LinkedIn. If you want to know more about Fresh FPNA and how we can help transform and serve, transform and scale and support your finance organization, check us out at www.freshfpa.com. Um, and if you have any questions, email me at CEO at Fresh FPNA. Happy to answer any questions. Megan, thank you so much for your time. And for all those listening, I hope you enjoy uh, your holidays. And uh, 2023 is going to be here. Let's let's make it count. Yeah, that's awesome. And I wish you and Fresh FPNA all the best as you continue to grow. And to all of our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.